praise the Lord, everyone. Just starting to get into the song, and then it ended. Who's glad to be in the house of the Lord tonight? appreciate the Lord making a way for all of us to be together and his hand upon us. This is a, a year that's going to be remembered. But if I'm truthful, I think that we ought to come to a realization that is, and I'm going to use the word bad because people seem to that when it comes to this year. But I've tried to say that this has been a blessed year. But the Bible, if we go on, it's been a bad year, then you ain't say nothing yet. And I'm not preaching gloom and doom, but I am talking reality here. If we think this is bad, so we better make up our mind right here and now to start saying in our heart, in our prayers, in our mind, that this has been a blessed year. Because if we're going to focus on the negative, it's going to get worse. But if we focus on the positive, it's going to get better. Because if God kept us through this year, imagine His power and what it will be when He keeps us in the years to come. This has been a blessed year. This has been a great year. This has been a wonderful year in the Lord. I know you're standing, and I'm going to keep you standing just a little bit. I put this on band. Some of you have read it. Some of you have not. But I felt led of the Lord to read this. This was the prophecy given on November 29th by Sister Claudette Walker, her husband pastors in Troy. He's soon to pastor Reagan. This was the prophecy that the Lord gave her that she read into the hearing to the church. My precious children, I would say unto you today that I understand that you do not understand. I feel your confusion. I feel your heaviness. You have cried out to me, but many of the things you have asked of me I have denied. I understand that this is difficult for you. My call unto you today, my children, is to trust me. I am asking you to trust me. I have you in a spiritual gym. I am adding weights to the barbell each day. This is not because I am an uncaring father, but because I am a loving father. I know how strong your spiritual muscles must be to endure these last days. So I add more weights to the barbell. Your faith muscles must exert and become stronger to fight and to stand in this day when the spirit of Antichrist is exponentially increasing every day. The war is raging, my children, 
and I am preparing you to become victors. Do not despise the process I am putting you through. I am causing you to lift heavy weights. Every time that you lift the weight and you declare my word in spite of how you feel, your faith in me grows. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. So I urge you to bathe yourself every day in my word. Cling to my word. Speak my word in spite of what you see and your faith will grow. You will not only make it through these last days, but you will be strong and will do exploits. I must not pamper you. I must not coddle you, but I must train you. My coming is nigh, even at the door. Yet before I come, there will be a great outpouring of my spirit. I am preparing you to bear the weight of my glory. Stand against these evil spirits that come against you. My children, although I allow heaviness upon the inhabitants of the earth, this day I am raising you up, for I am training you. Now I ask you, when I come, will I find faith on the earth? The enemy is trying to sever your faith, for that is your lifeline to me. Whatever you must do, do not allow that to happen. Cling to my word. Cling to me like never before. I am requiring blind faith from you. When you walk in darkness, still trust in the light of my promises. Be patient, my children. I love you with an everlasting love. I love you so much that I am training you to stand and to trust in the process of my plan. I feel that God is getting ready to come. I've been preaching as much. There's prophecies that say as much. The Bible says as much. And the scripture says that my sheep know my voice. And I feel the church is awakening and sensing the return of the Lord is drawing nigh. It says that day shall not overtake my children as a thief. We are not children of the night, but we are children of the day. We are not children of the darkness, we are children of the light. That we should not be ignorant of the coming of the Lord. We should not be caught unaware. But we should have a steady eye, a watchful eye, a prayerful faith, a voice of victory, a hope, an energy in the Holy Ghost that is looking towards the sky, looking towards the return of the Lord. And I say to you that this year has been a blessed year. This, is not, this has not been a bad year. This has been a blessed year. God has kept us. God has protected us. God has provided for us. God has healed. God has done the miraculous. There's been victory report after victory report after victory report. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and I will be glad in it. I tell you that this is the year that the Lord has made. I will rejoice 
and be glad in it. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this year. I know it's Wednesday. Everybody expected to come and hear a Bible study. You have your Bibles if you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I do want to read four portions of Scripture and then you can be seated. And then I'd like to speak to you a little bit about what God's put on my heart. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. I will be reading from the English Standard Version. 1 Corinthians 9. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Run that we might win it. That we might win it, the prize. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one who beateth the air, but I discipline my body and I keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Bishop, will you pray? and you can be seated. I've titled this message, The Kick. And we'll explain that in just a minute. In high school distance running, there was a revolution that began in 1995. That's the year I graduated in California. There was a junior from Jesuit that makes a statement that in the running community in high schools was heard around the country. And after two decades of mediocrity in the high school runners, they would see that in order to be great, you needed to do great things. And almost 20 years later, 25 years later, this U.S. is one of the strongest running nations in the world. A kick in a running race, when somebody does a kick when they're running, it doesn't mean a karate kick, a high-five kick. A kick is the ability of some athletes, not all, to sprint at the end of an endurance-oriented race. For those who possess the ability to kick, it is a strategic weapon. What that means is when they're doing relay races, and they're coming to the end, or they're doing long races, marathon races, that runners do not sprint the entire race. They slow the pace, and they save their endurance and their stamina. And as you get near the finish line, you have to strategically gauge how much ability you possess and how much energy you still have. And at the last bit, you then kick it into the next gear, right? You, you slam the pedal all the way down. 
and you hope you don't run out of gas before you cross the finish line. Well, I've got a video we're going we're to play here, and I, I want you to see the kick that I'm talking about that changed America High School distance running. of Michael Stembar, and he was a junior when he did this. What you saw at the beginning is what we called the kick, that everybody was running in a nice, neat pack together, and then Michael Stembar began his kick, and he kicked it into the next gear. And you noticed, you read there, as he passed the pack, the audience started laughing, because he had started his kick not in the last lap, but in the second to last. And nobody does that. You save your energy to guarantee that you would have a shot at the win. But Michael Stembar, the history that is being told in this, was sick and tired of the way that they were coaching the runners because there was more talent and ability in the runners and they were bridling it down, saying, no, we save it to the end. And he was saying, but I've got it in me to kick in the in the second to last lap. And they said, but we don't do that because something could go wrong. And he said, I can do it. And so they were bridling him. And so when it said a statement needed to be made, what he was saying to the high school athletic 
Association for the United States of America is that the athletes have greater ability than what's being shown. And so he kicked in the second to last lap. And people in the audience laughed. And they thought that he had miscounted. That he thought that that was the finish line that was just a couple hundred meters up ahead. But he knew that he had one more lap to go. And the video shows that he didn't slow down. When he passed that finish line or the previous lap, you know, he just kept going. And then all of a sudden everybody realized the kick was intentional. That he hadn't misgaged and he hadn't misjudged and he hadn't miscalculated how much, um, how, how much distance was, was left to the finish line. And he broke the world record right there in 1995. He set the record. It's since been beaten, since 1995. But at 1995 is where he started the idea and upset that sport. And they began to realize these kids can kick it into a higher gear earlier than we imagined. They can increase the pace beyond what we thought. You mean we're not pressing them hard enough? All it took was one individual to begin to kick it up to the next level, to begin to kick it into high gear to understand that there's more that he was holding back. And when he let it loose, he let it loose. And people began to take notice. The apostolic church in my generation, to me, in my opinion, has not kicked it in gear. It's been idling, it's been coasting at what we've been taught, at what's been expected of us. And the desperation and the power of the Holy Ghost, in my opinion, has not been unleashed in my generation. See, I feel that my generation of preachers can be greater than any preacher before. I feel that if my generation would kick it up, would begin to let it pour out, would begin to stop holding back, would begin to, to not just go off past, but begin to trust in the future, begin to unleash the Holy Ghost, begin to unlock the anointing, begin to stop holding back the calling of God. We would have men and women arise and begin to preach like never before, begin to teach like never before, begin to witness like never before, all it takes is for somebody to get the fire of the Holy Ghost in their mouth, in their belly, in their soul and get a desire to kick it in gear. It's not by coincidence that I'm preaching kick it up on a Wednesday afternoon or a Wednesday evening. It is time for the apostolic church to begin to worship on a Wednesday like we do on a Sunday. To get excited on a Wednesday like we do at the end of the week. If the return of the Lord is drawing nigh, I don't want to be running in the pack of denominal Christianity. I want to kick it in gear in the Holy Ghost and begin to lead this world in the power, in the anointing and will of God. If the apostolic church is mingled with the same pace as the denominal world, then we don't stand out. 
Nobody would have known who Michael Stenbauer is when he's running with 10 other runners. But he began to realize, I've got more power. I've got more energy. I've got more motivation. I've got more desire. I'm going to run this race to win the prize. My life tabernacle, it's not empty words that's been going on this year. It hasn't been vacant promises. The return of the Lord is drawing nigh. It is not time to get lost in the pack. It is not time to hold on to what we always know. To hold on to what's, what's just been our comfort zone. It is past time that my generation, I'm talking Brother Larry, your and my generation, it is past time, Brother Anthony, that our generation lets go of fear. Because the generation that's running behind us, my daughter and son-in-law, their generation needs to run faster than our generation. And if I'm running mediocre, then the bar is set very low for you. And Garrett, you won't push yourself as much as you need to push yourself. And JJ, you won't see your potential if you're not running faster than me. And if I'm walking, you don't have any hope. But if God is doing great things through my ministry... You will ask God for a double portion of my ministry. And if God does great things through my ministry, He'll do greater things through yours. The Elijah of today must be the man of God. Because the Elishas that are coming tomorrow have begging and pleading for a double portion. Will we give a double portion of mediocrity? Will we give a double portion of complacency? I'm fired up as you can tell. I'm stirred in the Holy Ghost. I'm not satisfied with how we are right now. I want more. I want greater. I want to see further. I want to go longer. I want to travel where we've never been. I want to hear God like I've never heard God. I want to feel the presence of God like I have never felt the presence of God. I'm not living back on when I got filled with the Holy Ghost. I want a new Holy Ghost experience. I want more of God. I don't know if I'm getting through to anybody, but I feel that it is time that we begin to kick it up in the Holy Ghost. That we begin to tell God, as for me and my house, Lord, I told you a long time ago that we would serve the Lord. But by serving God, I don't mean making the table and folding the napkins just right. I mean we're going to serve you when we go outside our home. We're going to serve you when we're in the highways and the byways. We're going to serve you before the nations. We're going to serve you before the governments. We're going to serve you before the devil, hell, and all the demons alike.
Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, it says, Therefore let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom, for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And therefore let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Our God is a consuming fire. A fire that is consuming things before Him. A fire that is taking control of things before Him. Not burning dim. Not going out. Not a small flicker. Not a spark. It says that He's a consuming fire. If we have the fire of the Holy Ghost, then the Holy Ghost should be consuming our life, our thoughts, our breath, our dreams, our mind, our motivation, and our destination. I want more of God. I don't want complacency. I don't want to be stagnant in God. I know we go through times of, of trouble. I know the prophecy said that my people feel the heaviness. Yeah, we feel the heaviness. But the scriptures or the, the prophecy said that he's stacking weights on the barbell. There's only one way that we lift the next weight. Anybody ever lifted weights? You ever get your, your max? You ever go back and say, I'm going to break my max? I'm going I'm I'm to do it? Not one time have I ever been in that place where I said, I'm going to lift more than my, my record. I'm going to break my record. Not one time did I sit down on that bench and grab that barbell and go, nah, it doesn't work like that. And if you don't know what I meant, you've never lifted weights. When you lay down on that bench, and you start stacking those weights, and you prepare to break your record, everything in your body becomes really tense, and your mind becomes determined and focused. And you, you start to make sounds. You ever wonder why? Because when the body's groaning, there's something that comes out of your mouth. When there's a passion inside, when you're pushing the limits, it comes out of you. And you can hear a... When you break it, and you get the weights up, there's a release. Ah! Some of you are like, ha, you've never done it then. You've never done it. Brother Brian, am I lying? When there is a lifting in the Holy Ghost, it will not be like this. I believe it. 
devil's not even afraid of that. I'm not making fun of people that are praying like that, but I'm talking about a specific point in prayer. I'm talking about a breakthrough. I'm talking about pressing through. I'm talking about crossing lines and limits. And it is not, and it will never be with silence. That's not the design. I know that, that Brother Marty is deaf, but I have heard him pray. I've heard sounds come out of his mouth. I've heard him worship. I've heard him praise God. I've heard the Holy Ghost. I've heard Brother Marty speak in tongues. When the Spirit of God is pressing within us, there will be a sound that begins to come out of our belly. A sound of living water. A sound of passion. A sound of the fire of God. And we'll begin to say, Hallelujah! It's why I've been telling you, we've got to learn to say, We're not going to be breaking any praise records, doing. But when people, Brother Chad, I watched you run the aisles. People haven't seen anybody run the aisles in quite some time in this church. It's an own slap in my face. When you began to run, I didn't look at the saints. I looked at the visitors. And I said, what are they going to think? I looked at four visitors, four of them. And every single one of them was doing... They weren't doing the... See, we're afraid of what visitors will think. Somewhere, that damnable fear crept into us. The pack of Christianity is the ones that are afraid of that. But we ought to be proud and ecstatic and unashamed that there is something in me that I've got to get up out of my seat, that I've got to lift my voice, that I've got to begin to unleash the Holy Ghost and say, that I'm not worshiping a mediocre God. I'm not worshiping a limited God. I'm not worshiping a part-time God. I'm not worshiping a second-class God. I am worshiping the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of my soul, the former and framer of this universe and world. I'm telling you, you need to begin to read your Bible. He said in the last days, I will spit out of my mouth lukewarm Christians. Lukewarm Christians. That's the ones that I... It's Wednesday night. I'm tired from my job. I'm tired. You should be blessed that you've got a job. You ought to be on your feet thanking God you have a job. You ought to be thanking God 
that you got the freedom to work and you're not a slave being made to work. That you got a God that says, I'm going to bless my children. I'm going to bless their family. I'm going to give them an income. I'm going to give them the health to go to work. I'm going to give them the ability to understand their work and excel in their work so I can show my glory in their workplace. If you notice that prophecy said that the weight he is trying to allow the church to lift, the weight was called the glory of God. In that prophecy, he said, I am training my people so that they will be able to bear the heaviness, the weight of my glory. Oh, somebody needs to learn a thing right now. When the disciples walked by the man that was lame from birth, they said unto him, Lord, who sinned, this man or his parents? And he said, neither have sinned. But this man was born this way for the glory of God. The glory of God. On that man's life, Dad, was a very heavy thing, a very hard thing, a very trying thing. For that man couldn't work. That man couldn't be like everybody else. That man wasn't normal. All for the glory of God. You see, when God begins to put his glory on this church and on this, this place and on his children... It's not an easy thing. It's not a light thing. It's a very heavy, sacred, will of God thing. You see, we are glorious in the Lord because we're the sons and daughters of God. We are born into His glory. When we come up from baptism, His righteousness, His holiness, and His glory is put on us and in us. That's not what he's talking about in the prophecy or with that person that was lame. You see, we have the glory of God all around us. But when God takes his glory and begins to put it before the world, before evil, before sinners, before the wickedness, before the darkness... You see, he's got his glorious children over here. And he says, I'm going to show the world the glory that is in them. And I'm going to show you why my glory is so good. Do you think the book of Job was just in there for a good time reading? Or just a lesson? What he said is, I'm going to show all the sons of God the glory of God. That my child will not fail me. We're no different in exceptions from Job. We're not different. This world is always and only seeing wickedness right now. They see evilness right now. They see rigged elections right now. They see liars right now. They see people blaming this and blaming that. Brother Mark, we were just talking for service. China creating Corona. 
That's what this world sees. How are they going to see the Lord? That prophecy said that my coming is nigh, but there shall be an outpouring. If this world's going to see the glory of God, it will come in those that defy evil. It will come against those that will not bow the knee, will not bend the mind, will not conform. Those that say, I won't walk the way of the world. I serve a God that can provide. I serve a God that can heal. I serve a God that can do the miraculous. I serve a God that can delight, that can bring joy, that can put hope, that can fix marriages, that can fix relationships. When we begin to tell the world, I'll tell you what God did for me. All of our testimony usually is birthed from darkness, is birthed from tragedy, is birthed from despair, is birthed from being lost and damned. When we say that God brought me out, we've got a story to tell. I'll tell you what God did for me. God found me when nobody could. God reached for me when nobody would touch me. God got close to me when everybody was running from me. Oh, God was able to fix me when I was tossed into the trash bin. Oh, God is the one that rescued me when I was being sold. This world is going to see the glory of God, but the glory of God will be demonstrated by His children. You see, God could come back at any time and he could do all the wonders that he can do he can display all the power that he has but you and I both know that he chose the foolishness of man to preach his word he chose the foolishness of his children to display the glory of God yeah we've had a rough year. But man was I blessed through the entire thing. I watched a nation and a world struggle. But I saw a church come together in greater unity than I've ever felt before. I've watched the world say you can't do this and you can't do that. And I watched our young people get married in the midst of this. Sometimes twice. It better not be a third time. I can go to Key West for that. <laughs> people laughing, excited. We've even lost a member, a pillar precious man we were not unscathed we were not unaffected but I did not mourn the loss of brother Keen. I don't mean that in a bad way 
It didn't drive me, Dad, into depression. I was saddened and I mourned for a moment. But I didn't live in a state of mourning. You know what I mean? Because I knew, I knew that God had called him home. That the will of God, not the will of man, not the will of COVID, not the will of hell, but the will of God said, Brother King, I'm ready for you. You've ran your race. Listen, every time Brother King got up and grabbed that and began to do this, Brother King was showing us how to kick it in gear at 85 years old. I'm 85. I don't have what it takes to run like I was when I was 20. But young people, this is how you kick it up in your worship. This world needs us. This world needs to see us. This world needs to hear us. This world needs to know what's in us. Young people, middle-aged people, and old people, don't you fear what people will say about our worship. Don't you fear and be ashamed about what's inside of you. Don't you hide the way you live and why you're living that way. I'm a one God. Holy Ghost, tongue talking. Woo! I'm a born again. I've been baptized. <laughs> I don't know about you. But I want to kick up our Wednesday night services. I want to kick up our energy level. I want to kick up the Holy Ghost level. I want to kick up our expectation. What we think should happen. What we expect to happen. And what we believe will happen. I believe that we're going to see people filled with the Holy Ghost on Wednesdays. I believe that we're going to see them filled on Tuesdays, Mondays, Thursdays. Brother Chad, I believe that your testimony can help people find God. would come and come with an attitude of you're going to kick up them drums going to kick up the vocals kick up the keyboard all of a sudden the musicians are looking for their backups you see I don't really care if it's a Wednesday or a Sunday they're all church services. And there might be a couple differences in the program, but there is zero difference in the God. And there is zero difference in his sons and daughters. And there should be zero, zero difference in our worship, in our faith, 
in our goal, in our mission, in his anointing, in his callings. I'm opening this altar for anybody that wants to kick it in gear, that wants to take it up a notch, that wants to break out of the, the Wednesday night norm, the Wednesday night norm. This is what we normally do. This is how we normally praise. This is how we normally worship. I don't want to be normal. I want to kick it in the second to last lap because I'm running this race, not just to cross the finish line, but to win this thing. 